0: All right, it should be on.
1: All right. Hello, everybody. This is Robert Marshall, Historical Light, and my co-host, the founder of Historical Light, Alex Bowers. Evening, brother and friends. As uh, most of our regular listeners probably already know, uh, we have picked up the habit of nightly nine o'clock toasts, and uh, we are also sharing each night an artifact. How's your day been, Alex? It's been pretty good, man. It's
0: uh, It was a little gloomy out here today, so we've all been kind of tired. We got a really good storm last night, lightning, thunder, uh-huh. which I dig, but I uh, wish it was more sunny today. But yeah, uh, numbers on this whole COVID thing are sure rising fast, which is kind of getting uh, tensions a little higher than normal, I've noticed lately. How are you guys dealing with it down in your area? Uh-huh.
1: We're doing all right here. Uh, my fiance Tatiana's had her a, a rearranging of her job to help deal with it. She's kind of on the front line here at the local hospital. Uh, so that's a little stressful, but she's doing well. Um, uh, the whole town's on shelter in place, locked down like a lot of the rest of the country is. But uh, we're making it work and all the virtual masonry that's available now is really helping. Along. Yeah,
0: there's a whole lot of it, man. Everywhere you turn.
1: Absolutely. Uh, what are you going to be toasting with tonight?
0: You know, we ran out of uh, of wine, so we ran up to the store today, and I ran into this, which I've heard of it before, but trying it for the first time. It's actually a Powers Scotch from Ireland. Uh, kind of really cool. They've it, got a Powers badge on here, and then John Power, who was the uh, founder, in the glass has his name etched, which I thought was pretty dang cool, so... Just neat, man.
1: Very nice. <laughs>
0: How about you, Ben? An eponymous
1: bottle of scotch. I dig it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I like I've
1: that. got a bottle of uh, Red Eagle Distillery Bourbon. This is out of Ohio. It was a gift to me from our junior warden here in Waco, John Michael So thank you, brother. And I've cut it with a uh, little bit of Dr. Pepper, which was invented by a past master of my lodge, Charles Alderton, who served in the East in
0: 1912.
1: Right on. Yeah, I'm using, uh, uh,
0: let's see, for the toasting can I got tonight, this is actually one my wife made, so props to her. Uh, This is a custom etched one she did for Garner Lodge 65. I want to say this was during my year, during the 150. Um, We did a, uh, it was technically a ladies' table lodge, so everyone could attend, but kind of a communal table lodge, and she made these custom up for that.
1: Really cool. Yeah.
0: So we got to share tonight, brother.
1: I've got a booklet printed about uh, 80 years ago by the Grand Lodge of Texas. It's titled, What a Petitioner for Degrees in Masonry Should Know. I figure on the off chance that someone who's not a Mason runs across our toasts and are interested in wanting to know what the heck we are and what we do, this might be a good way for them to find out. More so, I thought it would be fun to compare uh, what the ideas for what a petitioner should know were in the 1930s to what they are now and see how well it's held up over time. What do you think? Do you think this is gonna be something that uh, you think will fit well with what you believe a petitioner should know, or do you think it will be outdated and useless?
0: Man, you know that's that's a good question. I'm going to go on the on the uh, side that I think it would fit well. Um, I, I I get the opinion that from the old days they were much more esoteric and stuff than we are today, and I'm often more pleased with the description and stuff that we see presented of masonry back then versus. Kind of, not not to make it sound bad, but today it seems like you're just trying to sell it to everybody. Uh, yeah. And they were more direct to what it was. So I'm on that side that I'm really hoping uh, that I'm really going to side with it. I think it's going to be a good one.
1: I think based on that response, you are exactly right. You're going to like this. All right. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll get started. I think we're going to hit our nine o'clock time in the middle of it. So when we get close to nine o'clock, you just let me know and we'll do the toast.
0: I will shout it out.
1: At the request of Lord Amphill, Provincial Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of England, Brother Fred J.W. Crow has prepared a pamphlet entitled, What is Freemasonry? A word of advice to masters and candidates. As to the explanation that may be given a candidate, Brother Crow provides that in the answers to two questions what is Freemasonry and when and where did Freemasonry originate? Also, in a letter intended to be sent to every petitioner for the degrees. His answer to the first question is, it is a peculiar system of morality, it inculcates the practice of all virtue, it preaches the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, it makes large use of symbolism in its teaching, the principal means of this being the esoteric ideas attached to the implements and work of the operative masonry from which our own fraternity is derived. From very simple beginnings, the symbolic teaching has been more and more elaborated until, to him who has ears to hear, it embodies a valuable and intricate system of moral philosophy. How much, if any, of this teaching existed before the Grand Lodge era, it is impossible to say, though our brotherhood is of enormous antiquity. Quote, it is not a benefit society. This fact cannot be too strongly emphasized. The order must not be entered for mercenary or other unworthy motives. We do not subscribe so much a year to entitle us to draw out sick pay or old age benefits, nor to provide for those we leave behind us. For those who expect this, there are other excellent societies founded for the end they require. No man should enter the order unless there is a reasonable probability that he will never require the least help from its funds. For Masonic charity is not masonry. That one would really ruffle a lot of feathers, but it is an exemplification of its many teachings and is intended for those who from unforeseen circumstances are plunged in misfortunes and difficulties for these. The purse opens widely, but it must not have been their idea for entering the order in the first place. He then refers to the social and convivial element of which he says. It is not in any way an object of Freemasonry, but merely an adjunct to the lighter side of the craft. No one, he continues, can authoritatively answer the question when and where did Freemasonry originate? He names the four famous lodges of London of which the first Grand Lodge was formed and refers to other ancient lodges and says, This event is a highly respectable antiquity and actual records, but the real origin of our craft is lost in remote ages. The lack of records is probably due to the fact that few, if any, were ever written or kept. The ancient brethren, and even many within our own recollection, had the greatest objection to anything being written at all, and scrupulously destroyed any such that came in their way. The secrets were, as far as we can tell, confined to the modes of recognition, a password, and various important trade secrets which were all handed down by word of mouth and never committed to writing so that all risk of their being improperly obtained was obviated. How are we doing on time?
0: We are at 8.58. So We've got two minutes. If you want to do a little bit more, I'll shout it out.
1: Secret societies seem to have existed from the earliest times of man's intelligence, pointing out here that they just assumed, implied, and ran with the fact that we are indeed a secret society. They didn't even have to address it. The earliest times of man's intelligence and passing through the mysteries of Egypt, India, Greece, Rome, and other races to the building fraternities of the Middle Ages. These gradually changed from operative to speculative. And though the ceremonies prior to 1818 seem to have been of the simplest description, an elaborate symbolism, probably borrowed from Rosicrucian and other mystical societies, quickly spread in the order until we arrived at our present system and multiplicity of degrees. Who? are fit and proper persons to be made masons this is a matter on which every single member of the fraternity should hold a very high ideal it is impossible to exercise too strict caution in regard to new members numbers count for nothing quality is everything
0: and hey brother we're about 15 seconds in you want to make the toast tonight for us that
1: was good timing uh yeah and i think i'll make the toast based on that last line let's toast uh to our absent brethren, uh, the ones who cannot be here with us because of the quarantine, or the ones who cannot be with us because they have uh, ventured to the celestial lodge above.
0: Well said. here, here, brother.
1: To the absent brethren.
0: So I noticed in there, uh, brother Tom McGuire put, "Wow, 100% agree. Uh, that was that was an awesome write-up, man." I. I wish uh, we could get some stuff like that today.
1: We just need you to write it.
0: Very true, very
1: true. All right, should I finish?
0: Yeah, go for it, man.
1: Okay, numbers count for nothing. Quality is everything. Because a man is a chance acquaintance of a club or in business, it does not follow that he is suitable to be proposed the moment he expresses any wish for membership. We should carefully and without haste test him in many ways. The answers to the following questions propounded by Brother Crow, will determine the fitness of the candidate. This is going to be good. This is going to be a series of questions. The answers to which the Grand Lodge of England and the Grand Lodge of Texas, by uh, sake of the fact that they printed and, and shared this in the 1930s, must have agreed would determine whether somebody should become a Mason or not is he on the straight and narrow has he self-control and moderation in his life and habits can his discretion and secrecy be depended upon when pledged is he intellectually qual- qualified i think there was a typo is he intellectually qualified to fill with credit to himself and the fraternity the highest office the lodge can bestow upon him Has he sufficient idealism to see in our ceremonies the solemnity and beauty they undoubtedly possess and which will lead him on to pursue his researches into their hidden meanings instead of finding them wearisome repetitions? Has he sufficient integrity in common with the other members of the lodge to aid in the completion of the mosaic picture, to use a metaphor, formed by the individuality of his fellows instead of spoiling the design? Is he prepared as the essential first principle to solemnly affirm his belief in God, the sovereign and supreme creator of the universe, not a sectarian deity, and have one of the greatest beauties of our craft comes into play, namely its universality. The God of the Christian, the Jehovah of the Jew, the Allah of the Muslim, the supreme deity of the Hindu, the Buddhist, the Parsi, or the Confucian. That supreme being in which any free intellectual made man truly believes. He must be free born, for no slave can be a Freemason. Is the God in whom he must unreservedly express his real and full belief in order to be one of us? We safeguard his freedom on this point by forbidding all discussion on any religious matter within the lodge room. And uh, I'll stop there.
0: Hey, man. Fantastic. That was a good, that was a good pick for tonight. 100%. I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. That was well-written, you liked it very well. Uh, I found them uh, going through our archives a couple of years ago. We've got a treasure trove. We got about uh, 200 of just these, this one, and we've been giving (laughs) them to uh, petitioners whenever they show up uh, interested in masonry before we make them wait for three months.
0: Very nice. Very nice. I want to give a shout out to everybody uh, watching live and commenting on the page. Uh, sorry, we what do, we do got out there? it out to all the groups, uh, but we do get this posted on the page in the Historical Light group. Uh, but we got most worshipful Tony Borum on here. Uh, he actually the did. Master is in the house. That's right. And he said here, a toast to all of our differences, a toast to common ground, a toast to what we are seeking, a toast to what we have found, to what brings us together and to what sets us apart. A toast to many different souls united with one heart.
1: Very well said. I- worshipful. that's beautiful i think maybe we should have him on for a toast
0: hey i like that idea most worshipful, hit us up we might be uh getting you on here pretty soon we also got uh brother nathan tweedy on here great to see you brother and brother, uh, brother jonathan reynolds uh commented thank you guys so much for doing this every night brothers it's a great way to end the day hey man that, that's awesome to hear and for everyone watching and tuning into this, keep that in mind. Um, during this time, uh, this is kind of our way to release and give back to you guys. So we're, we're doing this every night for the foreseeable future while this quarantine's in effect. Um, 15 minutes from 8.45 to 9 Central Standard Time. I'm going to share some history, as we always do, and end it with a toast um, to all our brethren and friends while we're going through this. That's pretty much all I got. You got anything else, Robert?
1: Uh, I don't have much. I'm just uh, uh, enjoying my time here in the driveway uh, since I cannot go across town to the lodge due to the quarantine. And um, uh, I would like to point out, you mentioned Brother Tweedy, who's been a guest on the show before, speaking about the amazing history of Otsego Lodge up in New York who also uh, used to work at the uh, Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame, which is uh, pretty cool. He's done a lot of research on the uh, number of Masons who are in the Hall of Fame. That's actually a rather high percentage, uh, which is interesting work he's currently doing. Uh, And you mentioned Jonathan Reynolds. Uh, Brother Reynolds is the author of a series of children's books known as Monster Street. Uh, And uh, they are very well reviewed by lots of people, including my nieces and nephews, as well as R.L. Stein himself. If you're a 90s kid, uh, then you know who R.L. Stein is. He's a big fan of Brother Reynolds books. So if you've got kids, you want to check those out.
0: Fantastic. All right. With that, everyone, we will see you tomorrow night for another live, another toast. And as always, some more history. Take care. Stay safe out there. We'll see you tomorrow. Evening.